0: what I'd like to start just I got these sheets on your uh on your tables they were passed out the litany of humility you' all got one and then the uh prayer of offering to Saint Joseph what I'd like to do is start each time we meet with this and and as we pray these uh as we pray these prayers, this is a powerful prayer litany of humility foundation for the whole spiritual life right so humility that's very It's something to meditate on throughout the week. That theme of humility is a huge part of our growth in Christ. Without humility, you ain't going anywhere, right? So let's pray for this humility. And then St. Joseph, who is obviously the greatest, other than Jesus Himself, one of the holiest men that ever lived. Obviously, he had to care for Jesus Himself and Our Lady to protect her, provide her care. For the for the uh, the good of the soul, um, and to help us to grow in humility, so we believe in that, right? The communion of saints. So let's ask, let's ask the Saint Joseph to help us to grow in humility this this during this retreat time. So let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we'll pray Saint Joseph's prayer. O great Saint Joseph, generous dispenser of immortal riches, behold me prostrate at your feet. Imploring You to help me serve the Most Holy Trinity, enkindle a flame of Heaven's virtue in my soul, next to the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I acknowledge that there is no heart more compassionate than Yours. There is no prayer more powerful than Yours. With You as my intercessor and model, what should I fear? Refuse not then this favor, O powerful protector. I ask this of you by the great love you have for Jesus and Mary. Into your hands I commend the care of my soul and body, but above all the last moments of my life on earth. May I, after having honored, imitated, and served God on earth, be eternally with you and my family in heaven forever. And you can respond to these, the, to the litany. O oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, Amen. from the desire of being esteemed, me, from the desire of being loved, me, from the desire of being extolled, me, from the desire of being honored, me, from the desire of being praised, me, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted. Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Jesus. From the fear of being despised. From, from the fear of suffering rebukes. Caused 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 from, meals, from the fear of being calumniated. From the fear of being forgotten. From the fear of being ridiculed. From the fear of being wronged. From the fear of being suspected. That others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus grant me the grace to that others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus grant me the grace to that others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus grant
1: me the grace
0: that others may be holier than I. Jesus Pro- grant me the grace Provided that I should become as holy as I should. <laughs> Jesus grant me the grace and may God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm excited to to share this this weekend or this short time that we have together. So. We have a lot going on, we have a lot to dive into, we have a lot, of, a lot of teachings, a lot of time to pray, and as on any retreat, my prayer and hope for you all is to experience God more deeply in your lives, and this is the whole purpose of this time, right, together, it's to experience God, to enter into this relationship with God, and we, in order to do that, we begin with praying to St. Joseph, and we did that because I said, St. Joseph is key in our lives. He's the key to understanding what it means to be a man. Because he was a great man of God who, as we prayed this litany of humility, he lived it out. You know, if you think of some of, think of, some of these, these uh, lines in this litany, these prayers we're praying. You know, like, from the desire of being loved, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. Like, why would you ever want to ask God to... Take away your desire for being loved. Like Think about that. What is that all about? And this is what this whole weekend is about. It's about, Lord, I don't need to desire to be loved by anyone. But I only need to know that you love me. And my prayer for you all, as we offer the Mass for you this weekend and your families, but my prayer for you is that you can come into that intimate Knowledge and understanding that you hear yourself, God say to you, I love you. You know, I could tell you to, I'm blue in the face, God loves you. And I could say it a thousand times to you, God loves you. But until you hear it yourself, it means nothing. It's just like reading a book. Like, I can open the Bible and read it all day. God says that He loves us over and over again. We look at the crucifix, you know, or we look at the cross here and we see... Jesus saying to us, I love you, but we have to all personally experience that in our own hearts and lives. And so this weekend, yeah, we're together as a community of men, we're, we're here to pray together as a community, but we're also here to take time individually to pray. You know, there's time, you know, perhaps later this evening when we have time, when we finish this evening, there's some time, you know, go to the chapel and take some time to do a holy hour, some time in silence. And tonight we're going to have some prayer time, and I'm going to guide you and lead you in that prayer time. But the whole purpose of this weekend is so that you can come to know who you are as a man of God. And it's from that knowledge of being a man of God that you'll come to understand what it means to be spousal. Whether you're married or not, we're called to be spousal, every man. And then out of that spousal, love comes to that paternal dimension of our masculinity. So you first have to know your identity As a man, you know, I I heard someone speaking once on John Paul II's Theology of the Body, and he says, the most important question we as men can ask is, what does it mean to be a man? Ask that to God this weekend. Lord, teach me what it means to be a man. It's a great prayer, and we should pray that, I believe, every day. Because one, it's a sign of humility that I don't know everything, and I don't know what it means to be a man. Some of us do, at least at levels, right? There's parts of you that know and there's parts of you that don't. And so we have to bring all these things to the Lord. This is what prayer is. It's that dialogue, that relationship with the Lord. So this humility is stepping into the truth. Stepping into the truth of who you are as a man. And asking God. And listening. You know, take time. Please take time to have some silence. You know, I know it's there's going to be temptations to, you know, to use your phones or to talk. You know, there's nothing wrong with community time, but we, we can get community time a lot of times here and there and everywhere. It's important that you take a, some time to be alone in silence. And what I like to say, you're going to go through withdraw, you know, digital withdraw. okay? <laughs> you're going to go through withdraw because we're used to running to The digital world, whether it be TV, radio, music, magazines, newspaper, you name it. It's all out there. But all of that stuff prevents us from pressing into the fear of silence. Why am I afraid of the silence? Why am I afraid to just be? Why am I afraid to just rest? And it all goes back to that litany. Because we desire to be loved. But the problem with that is, (laughs) the problem with that is, is, we want everyone and everything to love us because we don't always know that we're loved by God. So until you know you're loved, you can't really love. Because everything you and I do, if we're not standing on that firm, solid foundation of truth, of who we are in Christ, that's key. Who am I in Christ? Who does God say that I am? You know, who am I? Identity goes back to identity. And so all this about identity and who am I, you know, it's like you need to hear it. And that's kind of what I want to stress to you is you need to hear this for yourselves. And we, some of us, you've all heard it to some level, otherwise you wouldn't be here. But, but the, the, the truth of the matter is, is we need to hear it often. And we need to hear it deeply. Because when you go out there, If you don't know who you are, the digital world will tell you who you are. And they'll tell you what you need to do. And they'll tell you you need to have this. They'll tell you you need to have that. They'll tell you you need to work more hours. They'll tell you you need to have more playtime, They'll tell you you need to hang out here or there where you shouldn't be hanging out. And if we don't know who we are, we're not going to stand our ground. We're going to lose our identity. You know, and this is what the secular world calls an identity crisis, right? What does that mean? It just simply means... Everything I thought that gave me worth and value is no longer giving me worth and value and I've never heard from God who I really am. So I start to, the bottom starts to be pulled out from under me. I start feeling like I'm on sand because we are. Jesus says, what did he say in the scriptures? Build your house on the firm foundation, the rock, not on the sandy ground. Because when the wind, he didn't say the winds might come. He said when the winds come, And the rain falls and the floods come. Your house will stand. So this time together is so that you hopefully, not just through the teachings and the talks, but hopefully you can hear in your own hearts and lives who you are from God, not from me, but from God. Maybe God through me. But pay attention. The reason you got, I ask you to bring your Bibles and your journals is precisely because a part of a retreat, this isn't, um, you know, I guess I could use my slides here, huh? This is not about me motivating you to have more willpower to be a better man. This is not a secular motivational talk, okay? It's not at all that. this is more than that. This is, yeah, you might be motivated, hopefully, and inspired by God through me or through each other, however that works and happens through prayer. But this is not just a a motivational speaker. Like, you go to a, a, a workplace and they give you this talk, you know. It's more than that. And we all know that doesn't work, right? None of that works. How many of us have tried this? You know, like, well... I'm gonna be a better person. I'm gonna be a better dad. I'm gonna be a better man. I'm gonna be a better husband. I'm gonna be better witnessing in my workplace. And inside, we're just operating off natural, our not natural willpower. We haven't come to that, to that New Testament experience, Pentecost. You know, it's like imagine the example I use is imagine you guys having to push your car here. Instead of drive it. That would stink, right? I mean, you probably wouldn't even be here because you'd be like, forget that. <laughs> right? You get tired of pushing your car because a car is meant to be driven. But a car to be driven needs to be fueled. And so the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the Old Testament is just about law. We know the we, we know like right and wrong. The Ten Commandments. This is right, that's wrong. We all know that. But see, the difference is God doesn't want us to just live by, it. okay, I know it, so then I have, to, I have to use my willpower, muster up enough energy and strength to live it out. That's the Old Testament. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of Catholics today are living in the Old Testament. A lot of Christians. We're just legalists. We're law. That's why Christianity is not attractive to a lot of people. Because we have a bunch of people that are still living in the Old Testament in law. Now, the, the New Testament doesn't eradicate the law. The New Testament gives the fuel and the power to live the law. And the law is what? The law is love. To live Jesus. That's that's the whole point of the New Testament. God gave us the law because He wanted us to be humbled. Going back to the litany of humility. God wants us to know we can't do it. You know, like AA, right? In, In the AA Meetings, you have to come to know you can't do it. We cannot live the gospel without the jet fuel or the power called grace. And so we all are asked to being enter into this new life of grace. This is what the New Testament's about. This is what I'm telling you hearing from God. Have you heard from the Lord? Like, yeah, you've heard me tell you, but have you, in the silence of your own prayer, Heard God tell you who you are. And I'd like you to, to, to as later on, you know, you might jot this down, but later on I want you to ask that question to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament when we have adoration. Lord, who do you say that I am? Who am I? Tell me who I am as a man. Like, bring that question to God. If you don't believe God can talk, then you're not going to ask the question. And I think a lot of times we don't ask God questions. Like in any relationship, how are you doing? Think, so how's it going? It's a question. So why is it when we come to prayer, we don't often pose a question like, Lord, who am I? Tell me who I am. And again, pride would say, oh, that's a dumb question. Father, I know who I am. I'm a man. I'm, you know, I live in this world. I have this job. I do this. I do that. No, but who are you? Knowing who you are, your identity, that's key. But it takes humility to acknowledge you don't know who you are. And it takes humility to ask that question, You know, to, to seek help. That's what we're talking about. So, so your power, which is that grace and motivation for a godly living, must come from living in the Spirit, not a list of do's and don'ts. We, are, we like do's and don'ts because it's con- we have control. Like we control our lives. and Because we know we, we do this, we don't do this. It's got to be deeper than that. We got to go deeper than that. And you might ask, what does that mean? And again, this is the stuff to bring into your prayer. Like, Lord, tell me what it means to live in the Spirit. Like, oh sure, we can all generally, generally just say, living must come, you know, gaudy living must come from living in the Spirit. Well, what the heck does that mean? Living in the Spirit. What does it mean to live in the Spirit? And, and as, as I'm speaking, and as I'm talking, and as you see the slides, I'm going to have a lot of scriptures I've been going through. I'm going to have, give you a lot of scriptures that you can look through and pray through. And the scriptures that you see on the slides are the scriptures I present to you. Write them down, and I'll give you the actual quotes. And you take those into your prayer time. Because if you trust the Lord, He'll speak to you through those scriptures. It's His Word. And, and, and you might read a scripture. For Jim, it might mean nothing. For Jeff, it might speak volumes. You know, and for Steve, it might be like a part of it speaks to him. But what's God saying to you? Not just generally God speaking to everyone, but what's God saying to you? Again, I want to take it to that personal dimension this weekend. Like you come apart. This is what a retreat is, to come apart, rest well, to leave the ordinary and enter into this time of silence, solitude, prayer formation, sort of like, you know, like a boot camp, like a, a training to be apostles for Christ, to be warriors for Christ, to go out into the world. But if you don't teach a soldier how to use their arms and what it means, to cl- how to clean the gun and how to put the right bullets in the gun and how to load the thing, if you don't teach a soldier how to use a weapon, they're going to go out and they're going to be killed or they're going to endanger the rest of the, the, the platoon, right? Same thing. We're an army for God, but we have to learn our weapons. We have to understand what it means to be a soldier for Christ. And again, it goes back to being a soldier for Christ is inseparably linked to what it means to be a man. And we have to hear it from God. And that's our prayer this weekend, again, that you can hear that. So are you living, are you living in this New Testament authority? Because this is what it's about. When you know who you are, then you have authority. You have authority. And, and these questions I want to pose to you. Are you living in a state of grace? Because if you're not, you're dead meat out there. How many times do we... We're all, I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty. Of this. How many times we go to church on Sunday, we're in church mode. As soon as we leave the church parking lot, we leave church mode and we're back in our worldly mode. That happens all the time to everyone. What happens between when I'm at church and when I leave church? Or maybe I never was even aware that I'm at church. Maybe I'm just so distracted by so many things. So what happens to us that we lose our identity so quickly? Because when you come to church, it's meant to be a time where you recover from being out on the battlefield. That's what Mass is meant to be. It's meant to be you come in to be strengthened and fed with the power and the grace and the Holy Spirit so that you can live this Gospel. But again, this is the New Testament we're talking about. It's not the Old Testament. It's not just about laws, do's and don'ts. It's about the power and grace and living in the Spirit so that you can go out and live this Gospel, to be a warrior, to be a soldier for Christ. So are you living in a state of grace? And we're going to have an opportunity for reconciliation this weekend, right? And I uh, encourage you all to, to go to that. And I got, um, I'll hand these out a little later, maybe this evening, um, this examination of conscience. You can go through this, tick, make a little check by the sins, if it helps you. That's what I, you know. If you're not bound to confession in a long time, or if, you, or if you want to go to confession, and I'll just, if you don't, I'll have to force you to go. Laughter but um, this will be a great tool for you again. Again, what's this about? Yeah, humility. Who likes telling their sins to someone? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Because what is telling sins? It's admitting your weakness, your brokenness. And what's that mean? If you can go to confession, you know what you're doing? You're putting to death... The lie that says you're only loved when you perform well. And if boy, if our world has anything that comes against us as men, it's if you're not performing at this level, you're unacceptable. You're not loved. That's the lie that we have to bring to to to, to slay, to kill, to crush. But how do we crush a lie like that in a world that's so consumed with, you know, watch a commercial, just turn on the TV. And you watch some of these commercials. Every one of them has to do with your, your, what you look like, your, your, your success. You know, your, your, um, how much money you make, how big your house is, what kind of car you drive. You know, having this, having that, all that stuff. Do you know if we believe that stuff, it stresses us as human beings. It stresses us not just spiritually, but it begins to flow over into our into our physical well-being. Psychologically, emotionally, it's all connected. When a lie gets into you, it starts to affect you emotionally, psychologically, and and physically. Oftentimes, we have to just. Sometimes, uh, one way to start praying is pay attention to what you feel in your body. I'm tired. What does that mean? Well, Lord, why am I tired? You know, when I pray, I found that when I'm tired, a lot of my fatigue isn't at all physical; it's spiritual fatigue. And if I spend, just an example I found in my life that if I pray, like for example, I, I, I come home, say I start my holy hour at 7 o'clock. By 7.30 I'm sleeping. <laughs> 7.45 I'm still sleeping. And then I'll, I'll start, to after an hour, so I start to wake up a little bit more. But if I keep pushing through it, And then I look at Jesus when when we're at the Eucharist. I'll look into the Eucharist, to the heart of Jesus, and I'll say, I choose the cross, Lord. I choose this tiredness. I choose it for you. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to run from my prayer time. I'm going to pray. I don't care if I feel like death. Sometimes we do. And and, and you you choose it. But I I have to stand on that, on who I am. I need to choose to stand on. Lord, I choose to pray. I choose this. And again, it goes ba- it's going back to that humility. It's going back to God's authority, God's power, God's strength in me. It's God in me. God has to clean out the fuel line. Right? You could fill a car with gas if the fuel line is clogged. It doesn't matter how much gas is in your car. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to start. So confession is cleaning out your fuel lines. Letting the Holy Spirit clean out the fuel line. So that... Are you in the state of grace? What's the state of grace means? It means living in a state where the fuel line's open and empty. Living in a state of grace is being in a state where God is free to live through you as a man. Where God's free to live through us. Okay? Why does it matter? Well, who cares if I'm in the state of grace or not? I mean, think about it we often use these bigger state of grace big deal what's that mean but see it's because we haven't often experienced the state of grace and if we haven't experienced being in the state of grace being in the spirit living as a new testament apostle if we haven't had that experience then I, we need to ask why what's going on what's wrong and it's, i'm not talking about having a high feeling experience you know that might be a part of it but that's not important it's What does your life look like when things are down, when you're tired? How does your choices change or not? Are you steady? Are you faithful? One of the greatest indicators of someone living in grace is someone that's faithful to being a man, to being a husband, being a good father, being faithful. So it matters because if you want to reach your fullest potential in this life, you can't do it without grace. Imagine me having a car and never knowing I'm supposed to put gas in it. That's stupid, right? Being Christian, being a follower of Jesus, being a man, you're created to receive the fuel of grace to God's divine life. And, and, and sin, again, what is sin? It, it, it clogs up our, our spirits so grace can't flow and animate our lives and strengthen our lives and renew our lives. So it does matter, because without grace, you're never going to reach your full potential. And you're going to get tired, and you're going to want to just give up, because you don't think nothing's going to work. You know, well, I keep praying, and nothing's happening. I keep doing this, nothing. You know, there's a point where, until you die, you're not going to see growth in your lives. An example of that. When's the last time, you know, this is one of my challenges for you this weekend, is you will go to your workplace and tell people what you did this weekend. I was on a retreat, and this is what I learned on a retreat. Until you risk your reputation for Jesus Christ, you won't see anything happen in your spiritual life, because you really don't believe that He's God, and you really don't believe that He's the Lord of your life, and number one in your life, until you're willing to risk your reputation for Christ. When, my life, when I started seeing God really moving in my life, it's because I started to put my reputation on the line for Jesus Christ. When you do that, you're going to start to see doors open and graces start to flow like never before. And, so, and people will look at you and say, you're confident. You know who you are. They'll see you as a man. They'll just come to know you, that you're a man. And they'll want to be like you. And you start to then disciple others into that relationship. But you can't disciple others until you've allowed Christ into your own hearts and lives. And we've all done that to some degree, but there's, there's never a time where we can say, Oh, I've arrived, right? We, we can always grow. So how do you get in a state of grace? We talked about that confession. How do I sustain and maintain this state of grace? We're going to talk about that throughout the weekend. You know, how do I stay in this state of grace? Well, obviously, the obvious one's prayer life. And... Uh, Sacraments. Go to confession every month at least, or whenever you need to go if you're in serious sin, go to confession. You know? Keep that fuel line open. Otherwise you start sputting, right? Your car starts to sputter and and you you stole out. It's just it's really not rocket science. And 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 you don't have to understand what happens behind mystically behind the walls when God when when a priest absolves you from your sins your sins are forgiven and your soul begins to open up and God's life begins to flow you know when i when i was in college one of the experiences for me my spiritual life took off intensely when i made a good confession my whole life i didn't make a good confession my whole life i was I went through the motions, I just did what I was told to do. and you know, I grew up in a good family, but I never really lived, made my faith my own. And again, that's this weekend, is about each of us personally choosing this, this faith, who is this faith in God and Jesus Christ, and making it your own. And I really, the Lord's been really moving in my heart and saying, you need to challenge the people of God and in yourself, to go out and proclaim the gospel to those in the workplace. It's not just my job, it's your job too. It's easy for me to talk to you here. You know When we all go out there, that's when it gets hard. So we've got to again gather our hearts and our thoughts together here. And uh, examination of conscience. Um, if we can look at, let's open our Bibles to Galatians five. Galatians 5 What's in the back? It's one of Paul's epistles. It's after Corinthians. <laughs> so it's right after Corinthians, it's in the back. Does everyone got it? Takes some time, extra time for the Catholics.
2: <laughs>
0: Galatians five. Shouldn't be that way, but sadly we've we we do not we need to read the Bible more. We hear it at Mass a lot, but it's good to take and just take up and read, you know. Galatians five, sixteen to twenty five. Let's read that. Why don't someone read that for me? Good, Dill.
2: I (laughs) got a lot of things.
0: So right there, what's Paul doing? Paul is reminding the community of Galatia, this is the fruits of someone that's living in a worldly life and the fruits of someone that's living in in the Spirit of God. Because see, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, just like the evil spirit, mingles with our human spirit. It's kind of like, kind of like sound waves, you know, you know, when you you can't see them, but when they when they when they they you know like a low low bass sound, it'll rumble the wall, right? The same thing with the in the spirit world. When the Holy Spirit mingles with our human spirit, the the, the sound that comes off is is the fruits of the spirit: the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self control. So. The spirit of the world, when it connects with our spirit, leaves off all of the, all of the uh, works of the evil spirit that, that Paul's speaking of. He's giving the community an examination of conscience. He's like, where are you guys? Where are you? And we've got to be honest and we've got to be just brutally honest and be able to look at this and say, where am I? Again, it's easy to point at other people here, you know. I'd love to point at Obama all the time. but <laughs> It's easy to point at other people. But we've got to look at our own hearts, right? We've got to all look at our own lives. We gotta, if we're going to grow in holiness, we can't be pointing fingers at everyone out here. I mean, everyone out here has problems, just like we've got all problems. We've got to look in here, right? All of us got to look inside. And we've got to say, where am I? And if I am struggling with the sins of the flesh, uh, you know, the worldly living life, then I need to ask deeper questions, not just, okay, I am, but why? What's going on? It's leading me down that path, down that road. And you got to, this again, I want you to be bold in your prayer this weekend. I want you to be bold in asking the Lord, Lord, why do I do this? Why do I act this way? Where's God at work in you? Where's God not at work in you? You know, again, this examine. And before we, what's how what much time we got? Two minutes. All right, good. So, when we go, when we leave, I'm gonna. I'll put the. We'll actually put them on your. Uh, we'll put them on your tables for you guys later. But you know, think of this to kind of set the tone: is we examine our lives in light of God's love for us. See, if you don't know God's love for you if your identity is based on how well you perform and how well you do, you'll never be able to be honest with... We'll never be honest with ourselves. Because unless you know you're loved, no matter how screwed up you are, you're never going to be able to see your sins. And this is why God always starts... We always start with love. What does it mean to be loved? Have you heard how much God loves you? Like, personally, each of you. Jesus says, unless you become like children, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Children... They know they're loved. You just watch them. I mean, you know, I'm always used to the example, like you see little kids, like you have company, and they come busting out with no clothes on in front of everyone. And they don't give a crap. Because they believe they're so loved that no one would ever look at them as less than lovable. Well, we kind of lost that, if you will, that innocence and freedom because we bought into a lot of lies where we've, we've started to, love's become for us performance-based. I'm only, if I, only I'm loved if I'm useful. And so, in order to honestly examine our hearts and lives, we need to do that in the presence of God. You, can, you won't see your sins if you don't know how much you're loved. And this is why God had to become man, so that He could tell us we're loved, And then we naturally want to confess our sins. You want to confess your sins when you know how loved you are and how precious you are in God's eyes. And then you can go out and boldly tell them. Because you know what? Deep inside, you want to be brutally honest. Deep inside, everyone out there wants to be brutally honest. But we put all these walls up and all these barriers up because we don't believe in love. The only love we know is the love we've grown up with. You got to move beyond just your history. You have to move into this new life of grace, the life of the Spirit. And so tonight, after, you know, after we have uh, um, dinner and we have our, when we come back together, we're going to continue diving into this and there's there's some more scriptures that are going to be coming up to really meditate and talk about and share more more dialogue and discussion on these. And then... um, We're going to have a holy hour. And during that holy hour, I'm going to lead you in a prayer time. And I want you to take these to the holy hour. And in the presence of God, I want you to examine your hearts. And pay attention, more importantly than your sins, pay attention to how uncomfortable you are naming your sins. Because it's the discomfort in naming your sins that really bespeaks the lie that you have inside of you that says you're not loved unless you're perfect. It's hard for us to to grasp this, but we are so afraid of ourselves. And the only way we're going to get over that is if we take that, see, you're going deeper then. It's not just, well, I'm naming my sins, I do these things. And we're going to talk more about it, but like, look deeper. Why am I so uncomfortable going to confession? I kind of, I've started to get to really like that experience because it takes me back to the raw me. This is me. Here I am, Lord. And a part of me is like, please don't confess that. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and you get it out. Because what's happening at that moment is I'm choosing to be a man. Or is that other part of me saying, you can't, you can't be honest like that. You can't do that. Because that's the crap I learned out there. And I'm trying to bring it into the church and confessional. And God's like, there's no room for that here. You confess your sins boldly. You know, like Paul says, I boast in my weakness. How can you boast in your weakness? Boast in your weakness out there, you lose money. Boast in your weakness out there, people might laugh at you, whatever. You know, but think, see, you could see it going a tier deeper. Getting in touch with where's my spirit right now in relation to God? Where am I? And that's why the church, we're so blessed as Catholics to have the sacrament of confession because, boy, it gets you right to the root of the exorcism that needs to happen. Right where you need to be delivered from the ultimate lie of Satan, which is you're loved because you're useful, not because of who you are. You're loved because of what you do, not because of who you are. That's the lie that's in everything out there. And again, we're going to go deeper in that and reflect on some scriptures on that. So let's close with prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Saint Joseph, pray for us.
2: Alright.